Our scripture reading today is found from Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1 through 11. This is the word of the Lord. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God, and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which, to I, with that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Good morning, everyone. Praise God for his goodness to us. We praise God that his sovereign grace and mercy upholds us each and every day. We were able to wake up this morning because of his grace and his mercy. We're able to be here together because of his grace and his mercy. Make no mistake. All of life is uphold and upheld by his righteous hand. It is he we come to worship today. May you be blessed, may you be comforted, and may you be encouraged by God's word today. There's always that one parent that you run to, your mom or your dad depending on what you want to hear. One of the parents is usually one who sort of lets you have it, sort of tells you what you need to do. That's the one parent when you come to them with your, with your grades or you come to them with a problem, they, they look at you like, what do you mean? This should be an easy task to figure out. Then there's that other parent who sort of just loves almost unconditionally, almost too much, and just says, there, there, come here, I love you, and wraps their arms around them. 
And we as people, we know instinctively that if we talk to one person, their advice or counsel is going to be X, Y, and Z. But if we talk to another person, their counsel is going to be A, B, and C. And depending on what we want to hear, what we need to hear, we often go to different people. Because the words that they have for us are very much impactful to our hearts. A good word can turn away a man's wrath. A timely word can give life to the downtrodden. You see, even in the human realm, we understand how much people's words affect our hearts. Even in the human realm, we understand that if we do not measure our tongue and how we say things, that we could be the one who destroys. But a well-measured word can heal and give life to others. In our scripture reading today, we learn about God's word and the power that God's word has in our lives. God's word is powerful in that when God's word is spoken, God's word will always have efficacy. In other words, once God's word goes out, it accomplishes what it sought out to accomplish. There is no empty words. There is no throwaway dialogue. There is no throwaway line. But every word, every phrase is measured by God to do what it has set out to accomplish. This is the power of God's word. We see God's word power in its, its creation and its redemption. We know from Genesis chapter 1 that God created the word by speaking life into it. Let there be light. And so there was light. The power of his word allows all that was not to become all that is. It is a power that we as human beings only know in a very small fashion. But for God, this power is absolute. We worship God because we know that the words he speaks are true words in love for his creation. We know that all that he created by the word of his mouth is good, nothing is evil. And that all that he created was for us, humanity, to enjoy and to worship the Lord himself. We also know through scripture that we fell when we did not trust the very words of God, but we trusted the words of the serpent. When the serpent lied to Adam and Eve, and Eve and Adam believed those words, surely God did not say not to eat from this fruit. 
and put doubt in humanity's mind so that humanity fell in their desire to be like God, knowing good and evil. Words twisted that changed the course of humanity. But we also know that the Lord sent prophets, beginning with Moses and others, to tell the very good words of God that God is here, that God is near, that God will accomplish what he seeks to accomplish for his grace and his glory. That he established covenants with his people and said, listen, I will promise to be your God and you will be my people. And if these words are not true, if these words do not come to fruition, so be it, may the curses be Upon me. God makes promises of redemption to his people. And God's promises have never, ever failed. Let me say that again. God's promises have never, ever failed. All that he said that he would accomplish in history has come to pass. 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 8, when Solomon had, had erected the temple that God had, had ordered him to, to, to erect, he had a service, and in his benediction, uh, he says something like this, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. Not one word has failed of all his good promise which he spoke by Moses, his servant. And this is the beauty of reading God's word. It's to see that when his word goes out, it will accomplish what it is intended to accomplish. And that when the Lord speaks words of promise, when the Lord speaks word of judgment, that all will come to pass according to to his wisdom and good pleasure. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, so we can take a moment here just to stop and to, and to think about this. The purpose of the Bible for, for us as God's people is to show us the faithfulness of God's word to us. That God does not renege on his promises. That when we hear the, the very words of God and there's doubt in our minds and, and Satan comes into our hearts and say, surely God did not say such and such thing for you. That we can turn to scripture and turn to the myriad of stories of God's faithfulness to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, to David, to Solomon, to Christ, to his people. And we can look to God's word and say, he has said yes to everything. How can I doubt the God who's made all things come to pass for his glory and for the good of his people? It is why we, one of the reasons we as God's people, when we read these stories and we often think, this story has nothing to do with me, it has everything to do with you. That God 
who brought out his people from Egypt is the same God that you worshipped. That God who spoke words of redemption to a people in exile, that's the same God that you worship. That same God who has been faithful since the fall till now is that same God that we worship. God's word is faithful. And we as God's people should never question, should never doubt his goodness for us. But there are several things that prevent us from doing this, is there not? The first is simply laziness. We don't want to look and read God's word about his promises, about what he has done, because we're so consumed with our own life and our own story. That it's our own life and our own story that is more important than the story of what God is doing. And so we get lost in ourselves. We get lost in our own troubles. We get lost in our own trials and tribulations because we forget that in the bigger story that I am a part of, God will win. And let me tell you, when we get lost in ourselves and we forget to read what God is doing in all of history, your troubles actually multiply. They don't decrease. You're not being self-aware and being able to deal with all of these things. Your troubles multiply. But what if we were to put first things first? I'm a child of God. God's faithfulness to his people extends to me. God's love to his people extends to me. That if God has brought all these people out of trouble and given them redemption, surely he will do the same for me. Your troubles decrease. Your sins decrease. Because you put first things first. We trust in the promises of God. We trust in God's word. We trust in the story that God has given us. The second reason why we fail to read God's word is because we actually believe that the God that we read in Scripture is the nagging God. Let me put it that way. The angry, nagging God. Instead of the loving Father, who disciplines us with grace and with love to bring us closer to fellowship with him. Have you ever felt like, listen, if I open up God's word, the only thing that's going to come deep into my heart is just guilt. That if I start reading God's word, all that's going to come into my heart is, I haven't read God's word in a while. I haven't really 
trusted in him for a while, if I open up this book and read it, I know it's going to convict me. And the only thing that's going to do is put guilt and pressure upon me. And in doing so, in doing so, what you have done is the same thing that Adam and Eve did in the garden. Don't you not see? Yes, there's a part of Scripture that talks about judgment. Yes, there's a part of Scripture that talks about sin. Yes, there's a part of Scripture that talks about the fact that we need to give our hearts and our lives to Christ. But what Satan does, he turns it on his head and says, listen, I'm going to make you into a Pharisee. Because you not, have not been following God, if you read this word, the only thing that you will see is God's punishment, God's disdain for you. And you stop. But that's not the whole story. The whole story of the Lord is redemption from our sins. It's grace in the midst of our enmity towards God. It's God's unmitigating love for his people, not dependent upon the conditions of our hearts day by day, but by his sovereign grace and love that is faithful and steady for all of eternity. That when we come to the word of the Lord, even in even if we haven't read it for a season, we can come back and it gives life. That's what the word of the Lord does. So if you haven't come to God's word out of sure laziness, go back and read. You will see that the troubles of your hearts, the troubles of your mind, the incessant wandering of your heart, of whether God is really here, when you read God's word, you'll see that the same God who is present there is present here. Second, if you can't go to God's word because a sense of shame and guilt. You say, if I start reading this, all I'm going to do is feel guilty because I haven't really read God's word for a while and God's just going to strike me down. Don't listen to the lies of Satan. God has always been with you. And God always invites you back to read his word. Now, there's two things in particular that God's word accomplishes when it goes out. There's two things in particular that God's word accomplishes when it goes out. And both of these things exhibit God's presence, God's justice, God's love. Both of these things enable us to see God's hands in all of creation. Much like a conversation between two people. 
but much more powerful. The first thing that God's word always accomplishes. The first thing that God's word accomplishes is that God's word will always sanctify. God's word will always sanctify. And this sanctification comes in either judgment or for God's people to walk away from sin. Hebrews 4 verse 12 puts it this way. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This passage is saying that God's word is so powerful that it can divide that which is indivisible. The soul and the spirit, you can't really divide it, but it divides that which is indivisible. The power of God is is, is such that it will split an atom, if we can put it that way. God's word accomplishes this. Have you ever shared God's word with someone? You say to them something like, let me read a word of the Lord to you. And the reaction of the people around them, the people around you, is one of disbelief, mistrust, perhaps even just a little bit of disdain and, and wants to walk away. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. And part of you, when you read that, you go, I don't want to read this. If I read this out loud, people aren't going to understand the context. People are going to kind of be weirded out by this. And I just don't want to make things uncomfortable. But you know what happens when you read God's word? God's word out loud. When the hearer hears God's word, and they do not know who God is, their reaction of mistrust, of unbelief, is a sign of God's presence in the midst of them, in the midst of you. This is how powerful God's word is. That in the midst of the hearers who do not believe, God's presence is made. And we as God's people, there's sadness that people would react that way, but there's acknowledgement that God is present and to be worshipped. And it gives us more joy in his word and more joy in hearing his voice. For us as God's people, when we hear God's word, there's a sense of conviction in our hearts. Yes, Jesus is the light of the world. Yes, Jesus is the bread of life. Yes, Jesus is the only gate by which we can come to know the Father. 
and our hearts simply say, yes, yes, yes. And the spirit that works on us, in us brings us into that full conviction that gives us peace in our hearts. God's word does this. No one else's words can do this. God's word pierces deeper than the words of a mom, the words of a father, the words of an employer, the words of a friend. And it's that these words that we must hear over and over and over again for the Spirit will work in you to bring conviction. When you hear there from Romans chapter 8 that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God, does that not bring conviction and comfort into the Christian's life? This is why we read God's word is not a dull scalpel that can barely penetrate the skin. God's word is a mighty sword that will penetrate deep into your hearts and change you. Second thing. God's word brings about salvation to those who hear. God's word brings about salvation to those who hear. It's a little bit of a mischaracterization when people say that you can love people into the kingdom of God. You've heard of that. We can simply love people into the kingdom of God. Or you'll, you'll see that bumper sticker, love people, use words when necessary. It's a mischaracterization of God's word and a mischaracterization of how God works. Salvation comes to those who hear. But how can they hear if no one brings God's word? You, all of us, have, are here on this earth to bring about God's word, whether it's someone like me up here preaching God's word, or you sharing the very words of God from Scripture. It is Scripture that changes people, not, not our ways of sort of mixing words together, not trying to be sort of as winsome as possible, not trying to find new creative ways of, of talking about the gospel all the time. All those things are good. But if you never get around to opening your Bible and showing them the very words of God, then what are you really trusting in? We trust in the power of God's word. Because that same word that is taught, that is preached, that is shared, that is despised by many, will be accepted by those who the Lord calls to him. And there's no greater joy in the church. Let me tell you, there's just no, there really is no greater joy in the church than watching God's word work in someone's heart that was once dead come alive. There's no greater joy than hearing someone say, I believe in Jesus because right here in the Gospels, it says that I must come and repent 
And if I repent, I will be saved. This is what I trust in. That's the power of God. It's not hearing someone say, oh, I really like this church. You have nice people, the nice little snacks over there, there's good coffee, and people are kind of cool, and yeah, just is, this is a real nice place, and people seem to like God, and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, this, is, this is my home. It's good for a season. But it's not what God intended by his word. It is God's word and God's word alone that saves. And then for us as believers, right? When you're struggling, when you're suffering, when you get caught in your own life too much, when you realize that you're angry, you don't know why you're angry, when you realize that your heart is not really walking with the Lord and, and God sort of reveals that to you? Where do you go to get nourishment? Where do you go to get healed? Where do you go to get life? You don't need to come to me. You don't need to go to your friend all the time. You don't need to, to search and, and YouTube about like how to feel better about yourself. You don't need to do that. All you need to do is open up his word and start reading. An hour of simply reading God's word and learning about who he is and worshiping him. An hour of that is worth more than any hour that you'll have with a friend drinking coffee. Because that is what the Word of God does. And if we turn to any other place for us to bring healing, any other place to bring salvation, any other place, then we have demeaned God's Word and we've demeaned His voice. But the joy is what? The joy is hearing the very words of God, his very voice, and seeing what his voice intended to do. Lord, I am saddened that when your word is preached, when I share God's word, people's hearts just get hardened. I'm saddened. But that's what your word does. And I praise you because... Your presence is there, but I'm saddened. But Lord, I need to do that. Why? Because if I don't do that, then I'll never get to see people really come to the Lord. I will never see people really change and know Him. And so, Lord, I will go forth and share Your Word, because Your Word is the only thing that gives life. No more trying to be fancy with my words. No more trying to find the exact right vocabulary. Now, I'll do some of that, Lord, but in the end, I have to come to your word. For myself, for our own lives as Christian people. Lord, I don't know what's going on with my life. Where do I turn? Where do I get counsel?
How do I counsel other people? Lord, I have to turn to your word. Where else is there? Lord, no more spending an hour trying to meet up with someone and, and just have coffee and just spill everything. I mean, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, okay, brothers and sisters? But before I do that, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend an hour with you. Yes, I'll still have coffee, but an hour with you, and I'll just read, and I'll just read, and I'll just worship, and I want you to speak to me through your word. What is an hour? An hour is nothing. But for you, Lord, I will spend this time with you. For you and you alone can change us. God's word will fulfill its purposes. It's what God's word does. And our trust must be in his word or else we will never know the proper work of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus himself quotes the Old Testament when he was tempted by the devil, if Peter himself tells us in his letter to read the letters of Paul, if all, from all of church history we understand that the word, the Bible itself is the very words of God, that served to instruct his people. Surely, I must be wrong. In the word of God, right. Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Yes, perhaps some of us will go to our moms because our moms have better words for us than our dads. <laughs> perhaps some of us will find that friend who will always tell us sort of what we want to hear. But I implore you, go to God. Go to his words. And let him minister and nourish you. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy. There is no one like you, Lord God. Lord, your words are that which has power. Power to destroy, truly. But power to heal and bring redemption as well. We know that you are a good God, a just God, and a loving God. We know that you never change. And it is in your being that we trust your attributes. For we know, Lord, that when your word goes forth, you are doing what is right in your own eyes and what is best and redemptive for your people. So, Lord God, help us to hunger for your word again. To trust in the power of your word again. To listen to the counsel of your word again. 
in knowing, Lord, that your word will accomplish in us and in this world what you intend for it to accomplish. We praise you and we thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.